0: Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host, Vincent Shen, and it is Tuesday, May 30th. I hope everyone enjoyed their holiday weekend, and if you haven't heard yesterday's special behind-the-curtain episode of Industry Focus, check it out to learn more about the team and what it's like in the studio. But for today's discussion of potential mergers and acquisitions activity in the consumer and retail world, I've recruited SeniorFool.com contributor Asit Sharma to join the show. Hey, Asit, uh, thanks for calling in. How was your weekend, man?
1: It was wonderful. Um, it's just very relaxing, you know, long four days, the highlight of which I beat my middle child, 15 year old in one-on-one basketball. <laughs> so chalk one up for father time.
0: Very nice. Uh, I was How about talking, you? How I was about talking you? to Austin before the show and, you know, we got rained out a few times. I was up in New York. Um, uh, Do you guys have to deal with that at all in North Carolina?
1: No, we got a little bit of Cloud cover here and there. It was just a gorgeous weekend. So we escaped some serious rain. It was very pretty.
0: All right. I'm glad you had a good weekend and uh, were able to show your son that uh, you still have what it takes on the court, at least.
1: I I still got it. Thanks.
0: (laughs) So kicking off our discussion for today. We have the recent reports that American Eagle Outfitters is considering a potential acquisition of its uh, apparel rival, Abercrombie and Fitch. And these are both uh, apparel brands focused on teenage and young adult consumers with stores uh, largely located in malls all over the country. So, retail weakness and headwinds have been in the headlines uh, quite often and discussed on this show and we have a series of bankruptcies from other mall-based chains uh, hit the news recently including Wet Seal, Aeropostale, American Apparel and BCBG and with the Coach Cade Spade deal uh, announced a few weeks ago we're also seeing some con- consolidation in the apparel space as well. So I said there are a lot of moving pieces and potential suitors right now who are pursuing this deal and I'd like to cover this one at a time. So to start things off, can you give us a quick rundown of what has been going on at Abercrombie. Uh, the stock enjoyed a $7 billion market cap a decade ago and has since declined to about a tenth of that size. Annual revenue peaked at $4.5 billion, that also down to about $3.3 3 billion last year. What happened, essentially?
1: One of the things, Vince, that you and know, I talk about in regards to retail companies is having a market that's strong enough to pull your product through. And retailers who are focused on the teen segment uh, work with some fickle fashion gods Mm -hmm. Uh, going really briefly back to the weekend i went with my family and saw the pirates of caribbean and the gods of the sea are fearsome and there's curse after curse (laughs) and you have trouble sitting in the theater unraveling which curse is directed at whom how do they break it but they're nothing compared to the fashion gods especially where teens are concerned the fashion gods are brutal So, uh, this company has been in an industry in which it enjoyed a long surge of interest in mall-based traffic, and teens propelled that for years. Uh, As you and I have discussed uh, many times, online has shifted uh, the retail landscape, that mall traffic has disappeared, and Abercrombie & Fitch, with many of its uh, retail brethren, is locked into long-term operating leases. And purchase commitments, so purchase commitments for material and leases that are based in malls, which are quite expensive, uh, not very lucrative if you're trying to break them, it's stuck in this fixed cost position with that smaller traffic base. On top of that, the company has had to try to move with the fashion trends, and it's been out-hustled by the fashion forward, fast fashion houses like Zara, which have a lower Economic footprint, lighter capital footprint, uh, changed their fashions much more quickly. And so it's really a victim of a couple of these larger forces. Operationally, the company has done a, a decent job. It uh, was always somewhat profitable. That profit margin now has declined to near flat, but it's in a fairly liquid position. And a little bit later, we'll get into the difference between liquidity and solvency, which uh, is speaking to Abercrombie's. And Fitch's long term future. So basically, we're looking at uh, entrenched trends that this company is trying to battle against with not a bright outlook moving forward.
0: Thanks, Asa. That's a really great rundown of what the company has been facing, and I think, as you mentioned, it's really important to note that you know Abercrombie and Fitch is not alone in this. Uh, we've mentioned some of the other chains that have declared bunk- bankruptcy or closed their doors, um, and these are you know headwinds that a lot of these mall-based stores are facing. You know Abercrombie for four years running, the revenue has declined about six percent to nine percent each year, and uh, I'd like just to run down a list of different things that management has tried to do to face uh, declining traffic to its stores, but also, the changing trends. So, it has recently announced that it will be closing dozens of its stores, I think about sixty of its U.S. locations. Uh, in 2014, it tried to rebrand itself, uh, going from you know the big logos on its clothes. Seeing that now um, at Places like Zara that you mentioned, H and M, these fast fashion houses, to give you more of uh, less branding and logos on your clothes, and so you can kind of design your own style. That seems to be what is popular with uh, their customers now. So rebranding itself a few years ago, uh, changing the look of its fashion, they're trying to market to older shoppers. Uh, moving away a little bit from their kind of core teenage base. Um, and they've also previously ousted Mike Jeffries, who was the former CEO, who kind of put Abercrombie Finch on the map, taking over uh, the brand in the early 90s when it was part of the limited conglomerate. And they've also implemented other changes to its executive team and the board of directors. Uh, one thing I will note uh, in terms of bright spots for the company, uh, it's not. All bad in that they have their Hollister business, which is actually at this point um, a bigger part of revenue than the namesake Abercrombie and Fitch brand is. But that has at least managed to maintain flat same store sales. So you can see, uh, even in this situation, flat is is better than the you know sometimes double digit same store sales declines that they've seen with the Abercrombie brand. And they also recently announced a wholesale partnership with Asian e-commerce retailer Zolera to sell its merchandise, which I thought was a, an interesting way for the company to kind of kind of expand its international reach. But um, next up, I want to establish a bit of a timeline for what we know so far regarding the buyout process and the negotiations that are going on between Abercrombie and the potential buyers. So, on May 9th, uh, the company confirmed that it has employed an investment bank to help navigate buyout talks with multiple interested parties. And the following day, uh, some initial reports indicated that at least two of the interested buyers for Abercrombie & Fitch included American Eagle and Express. So, in the meantime, uh, Abercrombie shares initially jumped over 12% on the news before uh, gradually losing those gains until an update made headlines last week. So, last week, May 24th, there was news from American Eagle, uh, which Uh, Not only was it still interested in a deal, but it may be presenting a joint offer with Cerberus Capital, which is a private equity fund known for its interest in these distressed businesses, which I think is fair to say Abercrombie would be part of that category. So, the named suitors we have so far potentially negotiating this deal include Express, American Eagle, and Cerberus, and there are likely other entities as well. And express uh, just to break down of who some of these uh, potential suitors are. It's actually a smaller business than Abercrombie, uh, so it has market cap of just over 600 million to Abercrombie's about 850. And the revenue in Express's most recent fiscal year was $2.2 billion, Abercrombie's close to about $3.3 billion. So, if the companies were to agree to a deal, it would be more so a merger of equals, uh, with a combination of probably cash and stock consideration. But I think as a gambling man, uh, or if I were a gambling man, I would have to put my chips on American Eagle and Cerberus and Land this deal, just because I think they have the more substantial resources. And also, the really aesthetic and branding fit that's more complementary between the two brands. So, if you're an American Eagle shareholder and you see this news, how are you thinking about this acquisition and uh, this acquisition and evaluating it?
1: I think you're pleased. Uh, if you're an American Eagle shareholder, then you too have seen the, the ravages of the retail industry in recent years, especially if you've held the stock for quite a while. Um, but, looking at American Eagle's balance sheet, uh, the company has about $225 million worth of cash. It's liquid. So what does liquidity mean? Liquid means that you have enough of current assets on hand to uh, cover your short-term obligations. It's also solvent, meaning that American Eagle doesn't have a lot of debt. However, because that profit margin has declined in recent years, to I think last year's net profit margin was just over 5%, uh, the company's not really throwing off enough cash flow to cover its own operations, uh, grow its business, and then take over an uh, Amber Abercrombie & Fitch. So, you must be pleased that this very deep-pocketed private equity firm, uh, Streber's Capital, is stepping in. Uh, without that, it's going to be a tough deal for American Eagle. You, looking at the market capitalization, Vince, you mentioned that um, Abercrombie's market cap is down to about $850 million. That looks sort of doable if you only looked at the market cap. But American Eagle needs this uh, private investor because there's more to uh, the price tag of Abercrombie than meets the eye. Mm -hmm. So Abercrombie has about $2.2 billion worth of long term commitments. These are those operating store leases that I spoke about, and also materials purchase obligations uh, for their inventory. And that's a pretty big. balance that you have to add on to the market cap, because whoever buys this company is on the hook for those obligations. So, when we look at total deal value, enterprise value, it's really over about $3 bucks, Somewhere between $3 billion and $4 billion once you consider some type of premium for the shares. Uh, hooking up with a very uh, well-resourced private equity group will help American Eagle not just acquire the company, but have the resources to realize the synergies that you mentioned. The fact that the product lines are similar, much more complementary than that of an Express and an Abercrombie. So I think you have to be feeling pretty good if you are an American Eagle shareholder. But still this larger question looms. Once you combine these two companies, the the same problem still exists. They have to find a way to reinvent themselves as a merged-up entity. What are your thoughts, Vince, on how these two companies potentially can combine and make something better uh, out, of, out of this these two parts?
0: Sure. I've been thinking about some of the the you know the synergies, always the buzzword behind uh, a deal like this, in terms of what these companies can realize. Uh, definitely uh, have the obvious benefits that jump to mind for any uh, deal of this nature, where you have that larger scale, which gives the combined company uh, stronger, essentially negotiating power, be it with It's suppliers and its vendors. You have the opportunity to merge production facilities and corporate functions like finance and marketing, et cetera, to reduce costs. And uh, you know, also this idea kind of reminds me of with coaching Kate Spade, operating in the same in similar space but ultimately kind of diversifying the business with these uh, with more than one established brand in the portfolio. Here you would add obviously Hollister and Abercrombie and Fitch to that portfolio for American Eagle. And they also have their, uh, I believe it's called their Tutsnider and Tailgate stores. Very small parts of their business, but clearly they're kind of trying to uh, branch out and diversify the different uh, storefronts that they have. And it also seems to me like Abercrombie has a bit more of a significant international presence that can be leveraged, that can be leveraged for American Eagle further abroad. Uh, not only with that Zalora deal that I, that I mentioned earlier, but uh, you know, for a sales revenue breakdown, Abercrombie and Fitch International's business is about thirty-six percent. Of total revenue, whereas American Eagle, what I could find is about 15% uh, of their company operated stores are international locations, so uh, most likely a smaller footprint. And for Cerberus, too, looking at it from their end, you, know, you get again two unknown brands that they you know, arguably, you know this is their business. They can help return to favor with consumers with potentially the right rebranding, cost cuts for profitability, and you know, as you mentioned, in terms of those deep pockets, Cerberus has that 50 billion dollars or so in assets under management, giving it, uh, you know, the the pocketbook it needs to to really pursue this deal. Um, but all in all, I think, uh, in terms of final thoughts for this, considering the bleak outlook. Um, that we've mentioned for Abercrombie & Fitch in terms of some of its uh, comparable sales, in terms of the trends and the headwinds that it faces. I think that even at some of the current depressed trading levels, uh, a lot of investors have to weather or wonder whether the ultimate buyer is getting that good of a deal, whether it's Express, whether it's uh, American Eagle, or some other company. And I think it's understandable that the market has been a little bit skeptical. Uh, American Eagle stock has been has been pushed down, actually, with these deal rumors. Um, and I think a lot of people would be also skeptical just buying into a business that seems increasingly out of touch, as you have some of those fast fashion houses that you mentioned, uh, stealing market share, uh, as malls continue to lose their foot traffic. Um, do you take a more bullish view in terms of just the overall benefits that these two companies have together? Or do you think, Asad, you have more, you also have a similarly more skeptical view in terms of whether this will actually pan out well for both of the entities involved? Vince, I have a
1: slight sliver of optimism when I think about this deal. Uh, I'm skeptical about the industry, I'm skeptical about the market demand and these high fixed costs that both companies face. Mm-hmm. If we look at the deal being Abercrombie merging up with American Eagle, backed by Cerebrus. But this private equity group is, uh, as we said, it's well-resourced, but contrary to what uh, might appear on the surface, the company, Cerebrus, is looking at a number of deals, and they've got a great track record of extracting value for shareholders. They don't base the deal coming into it and helping out uh, American Eagle on some projected numbers that the two companies maybe can create together. They look at the deal according to their own internal rate of return, and they usually don't don't proceed with these types of deals until they think that you know with this action plan, we'll work with management. We think we can hit our internal targets and get our value out in the deal. And so it's sort of a strong vote of confidence, uh, and that's why I have this slight bit of optimism. They're not going to pull their money into this merger and watch it sit. They'll be a very active partner to make sure that that value does get extracted, which will benefit current shareholders of of both firms. I still think it's going to be an uphill climb, but I have a little bit um, of this optimistic feeling that value will be created.
0: Thank you, Asit, for bringing that up Um, in terms of that internal rate of return that all these private equity uh, funds and firms will uh, have before they look to invest in any deal like this. Uh, It's important to note that and the idea of the the vote of confidence that it provides. Uh, My last point before we move on to our next uh, potential M&A deal is, just with American Eagle for their business overall, um, something to highlight is that, While their comps haven't suffered uh, quite as much as Abercrombie and Fitch, and they they are also seeing uh, maybe one percent or single-digit declines in their comps during certain periods. But a big point of growth for them is their Airy uh, offshoot brand, and so it will be just interesting to watch if this deal goes through how they can combine some of their more stable and even high-growth brands and business with the struggles that we've seen from the uh, portfolio brands at Abercrombie & Fitch. But, uh, making sure that we have enough time to cover our next topic. uh, So, we knew that Abercrombie was fielding acquisition offers. Our next company, Kraft Heinz, which is the $110 billion food and beverage company, actually appears to be shopping. So back in February, the company put up a massive $143 billion offer to combine with the Europe-based Unilever in what would have been one of the biggest deals in history, and that would put major staples like Heinz ketchup, Kraft mac and cheese, Jell-O, uh, Breyers ice cream, Lipton tea, and Axe body spray all under the same roof. So the $50 per share uh, offer presented a 17% premium for Unilever but the company soundly rejected the deal and even if the two companies were able to agree on uh, on terms the regulatory scrutiny would have been Pretty intense due to their size and their overlapping uh, geographic areas, their businesses. But since February, um, after the Unilever deal fell through, Kraft Heinz has been planning its next move. Asit, before we talk about another deal that could be in the works, can you just give us a little bit of background on who kind of runs the show uh, after Kraft Heinz and why they seem so eager to close another acquisition?
1: Sure. So, Kraft Heinz uh, is really. Uh, aggressively managed uh, and invested in by 3G Capital. This is a Brazilian uh, investment firm, which has its roots uh, decades ago in three Brazilian partners, of which Jorge Lehmann is probably the most visible and well-known. Uh, but these investors uh, started with uh, conglomerate, small conglomerates back in Brazil. And listeners will be very familiar with uh, Anheuser-Busch InBev, Uh, The company InBev was a Brazilian beer company, and through a series of mergers, it's become the largest beer brewer in the world. Uh, As our listeners know, um, the company acquired SAB Miller at the end of last year, and now there's nothing left for Anheuser-Busch to do in terms of acquisition, except maybe look outside of the beer industry. And this is a good example of how 3G Capital operates. They love to uh, build firms up through mergers and have a certain playbook that they implement. This playbook is usually isolating a company, which is not very well managed, uh, with just mediocre margins. They'll acquire that company and then cut costs dramatically. They do that by reducing headcount, by reworking the supply chain, by implementing something called zero-based budgeting which means that every year, instead of looking at last year's budget, you create it from scratch to see what your costs really are and uh, execute accordingly. And so, they increase the value of a company, but they're really not that concerned about growing revenues. And to me, that's actually a harder uh, thing to do in the business world. It's one thing to find a company that doesn't operate quite as smoothly as it should and optimize it, but to actually increase sales is a harder task. So, what many investors have noted about 3G Capital is their tendency, after they optimize the cost side of a company, to go in and and make another acquisition. It's been a very good um, vehicle for investment return. Another prominent one of uh, their initiatives was the acquisition of the old Burger King brand, taking that from a private company back to a public company, uh, merging that with Tim Hortons. uh, and uh, Really, Slowly trying to take over the quick service side of the food industry. So, that in a nutshell, is how 3G Capital operates. They and uh, longtime partner and financier Warren Buffett love to do deals together. 3G provides the operational and uh, aspect, in some of the capital. And uh, Uncle Warren lends billions of dollars, usually in preferred stock. And it's been a very successful formula. So, here we have uh, Kraft Heinz, which was created. Um, by these uh, partners, they are now trying to figure out. We've optimized Kraft Heinz. What else can we acquire? And this is where their latest target, Colgate Palmolive, comes into the picture.
0: Yes. So rumors of a of another 3G backed deal have been floating around actually since late last year uh, when the company began raising funding about 10 billion dollars worth uh, for a consumer goods company, according to people you know who were close to the matter. Um, so, you mentioned Colgate Palmolive as the new potential candidate. Um, you know, the company, though, at least in relation to Kraft Heinz, it has no food and beverage business that I think would match or that would mesh with Kraft uh, on top of at least its well known toothpaste and personal care products, unless you count the dog and cat food business. So, why do you think, uh, you know, Colgate Palmolive now is in the crosshairs for 3G?
1: This is not just a great question for the podcast, Vince. This is a great philosophical question. Why on earth would this company now um, turn its attention to a totally different industry within consumer goods? And I think that the philosophical answer is that at some point this particular business model that 3G employs, again, if, if you cannot improve revenue, you have to look somewhere. And I think they're out of options. There are only so many giant food conglomerates that are similar to Kraft Heinz that it can purchase. Mondelez uh, International, which is ironically the old Kraft uh, company, Mm -hmm. uh, keeps coming up in conversation. That's a merger which may or may not occur in the future. There just aren't a lot of companies in the tens of billions of market cap to make it worth their while. So, they have to look outside of their current uh, wheelhouse. And Colgate is an interesting option. If you can't get deal synergies from complementary products, well, you can diversify your revenue. So that's one optimistic way to look at this. That hey, you know they're they're broadening out their product base and uh, insulating themselves against maybe future decline in their condiment and packaged foods business.
0: Okay, Um, that makes sense to me. I I figured the diversifying aspect of it would be a key, uh, a key part of the uh, why the company or why Colgate Palmolive is attractive. Um, Another part uh, I think that really comes through is you know they recently were rejected in that huge deal offer to Unilever, um, whereas with Colgate Palmolive they have a management team that seems quite uh, happy to consider. Uh, a sale of its company. Uh, I have a note here from CEO Ian Cook, whose report have stated his interest in selling the company at about $100 per share, uh, and that's a more than 30% premium to current trading levels. Um, and ultimately, you know, with a lot of the, especially the bigger names, uh, as you've mentioned in these sectors, um, these huge uh, portfolio companies are dealing with. Often with stagnant or declining revenue. And, you know, 3G Capital isn't actually the only company that's looking at Colgate Palmolive since the reports the company is considering uh, a big move like selling itself. Unilever uh, and Johnson Johnson have also been named as potential suitors. Um, but, uh, in ter- you know, to close this out, uh, any final takeaways from you, Asset, in terms of the way, you know, 3G Capital. Uh, kind of operates, but also uh, what the deal might look like with Kraft Heinz or Uh, Colgate-Palmolive. Obviously, details right now are scarce. A lot of this is actually just breaking this morning uh, and in the past day. Uh, Any final uh, thoughts or takeaways?
1: My final thoughts are, this company, Kraft Heinz, has extremely deep pockets, and they've got financing on the side with Warren Buffett whenever they want it, so they could pay the premium and pay the $100 that Colgate-Palmolive wants. Uh, One, not very fun aspect of the deal for Kraft Heinz is that they like to find companies which have a much lower operating margin than they do, and then optimize that. Unilever would have been a great deal, because Unilever's operating margins are only around 14%, whereas Kraft Heinz's operating margin is about 23.5%. Looking at Colgate-Palmolive, their operating margin is already 25.5%. So, there's not a lot of great work there to do in terms of the cost-cutting we talked about. However, Final thought, and I've, I've said this on the show many times, but I'm mean, going to keep repeating it because it's a bit of a hard concept. When you are an acquiring company, you want to look for a target which has a lower enterprise value to EBITDA multiple than yours. That means the total value of the company divided by its earnings. If that multiple is lower than yours, there's some value creation that can happen afterwards. And in this case, um, Kraft Heinz has a current. EV to EBITDA value of just over 19, and Colgate's enterprise value to EBITDA is about 16 and a half. So there's something in there for this uh, very sharp management team at Kraft Heinz to work with, and like I said, they've got the funds. We very well may see this deal go through, uh, and this conglomerate only grow bigger in the near future.
0: Thanks a lot, Acid. You know Both of these uh, deals, in terms of for Abercrombie and for Kraft Heinz, are developing. So, as we get more details, or if something gets locked down and finalized, uh, we will happily revisit and provide some more uh, input in terms of. Uh, what the final valuation came out to, and things along those lines. But uh, thanks, Fools, for listening. And you can reach out to us and the rest of the Industry Focus crew via Twitter, at MFIndustryFocus, or send any questions to IndustryFocus at fool.com. And don't forget to check out podcasts at fool.com to hear our other shows. People in the program may own companies discussing the show, and The Molly Fool may have formal recommendations for, against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear during the program.